Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a emergency podcast, a special pod where, honestly, we just get whoever's available to talk about breaking news. And in this case, it's me, Ando, and Rev. Rev, how are you, my friend? Really good. I um I just found out I was 213th in line. There was a lot of people that had to say no to get me in. So um very grateful for those 212 others that couldn't quite make it. Um yeah, it's good to catch up. It's good to chat, and it'll be interesting to see um, where this discussion goes because it's just been a, a whirlwind weekend. It 100% has been, and it is just one of those things that I guess we suspected was coming, but maybe not the timing of it, the day of the Rugby World Cup final. Um, so just to let everybody know, uh, Mitch and Lockie are going to be recording on Monday night, going through the Walrus victory over the weekend and the Rugby World Cup final, and they'll add their own thoughts into the resignation of the Walrus coach, Eddie Jones. Um, however, I wanted to get in because I'm not going to be available for a couple of weeks with some work stuff and so i wanted to get in and do a recording tonight with rev just just a short one 10 15 minutes just going through our immediate responses to the breaking news of eddie jones's resignation so if you've had your head under the rock over on the a rock over the last couple of weeks just need to say and do a massive shout out to tommy decent at the sydney morning herald who's really the one that's kind of driven this story over the last couple of weeks it came out um that eddie jones had done a an interview at least had a meeting in which job uh, interview opportunities came up regarding the Japan national coach role after the Rugby World Cup. And Eddie Jones did that right before the Rugby World Cup campaign began. He has repeatedly denied that, but it's been picked up with credible sources from many other news outlets throughout the world. And he has now handed in his resignation after on Friday submitting a letter saying that they'd be able to work towards it. So I just want to start with this really basic question that's on my mind and see what your thoughts are on it, Rev. And I haven't prepared you for any of what I'm about to say. Um, do you think that Eddie Jones is a liar about whether or not he participated in a meeting with Japan Rugby Union? Yes, I do. Um, and I'm really keen for all the details to come out because, you know, to, to my mind... There were so many opportunities and all those presses that he got given, all the interviews, everything that you know transpired in the last two months for him to just really clearly outrightly say, mm. no, not involved with that. I'm focused on this job. Like, can we just get over that? Um, and whatever issues we got, we can discuss later. But, you know, I'm committed to Australia. There were so many opportunities to say it. But instead, yep. this, this, yeah, real insistence on playing these mind games and this adversarial relationship he's got with the media, it just... It was so hard for a fan because we were just like, well, we kind of want to know if you've done it. It's not even the end of the world because, like, people look yep. at other jobs where things go wrong. But just, like, I either flatly say, yes, I have done it and, you know, this is why, or say no with some clarity. It was just this weird dance in the middle, which yep. really for anyone, I think, listening was sort of inclined to believe that, yeah, he probably has. And it's just a matter of time till it comes out. 100%. And that's kind of similar to my feelings as well, where if Eddie Jones had had a meeting with Japan Rugby um, and it hadn't been about the national role, because he's got a histories. Um, his wife's Japanese. He's got family over there. He spent time coaching a national team. He spent time coaching at a club level over there as well. So it's entirely reasonable if he happens to be in the same city as representatives from Japan Rugby for him to just have a meeting and catch up with them because he's got connections and knows people there. And if he was to say, I met up with them unknowing that it was about a job interview and they discussed it 
Uh, and I said, look, no, I'm not interested at this point, but thank you. If he'd been yeah. honest and said something like that, yeah, okay, cool. Or even, you're right, even if he'd had the job interview, if they'd said, look, we just want to send you out for this, get your thoughts. And he's like, well, I know them, I should just have a chat, but I'm not really interested. He could have just said that, that yeah. I had a chat with him because of my previous relationship, but I wasn't interested in taking a role. And that would have been reasonable. And I would have gone, oh, mate, that's such a bad walk. That is bad media management there and decision-making from yourself as a public figure, but it's not the end of the world. But you're right. It was the adversarial style. It was the tattooing and froing with the media and the journalists and, and honestly us as fans and the players as well. You've got to feel for them and feel for everybody who cares about Australian rugby just going, man, we're just getting played right here we are just getting played and that was in my mind the most frustrating kind of element of this the lack of honesty throughout the whole process because just three episodes ago we recorded a podcast saying with um not going anywhere mate it was where he'd done that interview where he'd come back to australian shores and he was directly asked will you be continuing on as a head coach of the wallabies and he said i'm not going anywhere mate and it's just so frustrating to be at this point now. Like, how do you actually feel about Eddie Jones as, I don't want to say a person because, I mean, we, we don't know the person of Eddie Jones um, because we, we're not close to him. But how do you think about him as a coach and as a public figure now after this whole process has occurred? Yeah, it's, it's really tough because uh, as, as a lot of people have been saying online um, in respect to people like Nick McArdle, you know, put a thing out saying how he was drinking the Kool-Aid at the start of the year and, um, you know, the things have just transpired terribly and all, all this hindsight. Um, for Eddie, I really just stopped sort of caring about anything he had to say um, when he left for the World Cup. So that sort of airport departure, you yeah. know, the results before then weren't great. Um, massive loss to New Zealand and South Africa a tight loss to New Zealand where, you know, we showed a lot of promise, but, you know, fell short ultimately. And yeah, that, that game against Argentina that we just shouldn't have lost either. So those matches weren't that terrible that I'd, you know, completely thrown in the towel. I thought there was enough there. Um, but just, yeah, when he picked that squad and then had that media fiasco, I just, I'd lost all credibility. I was like, no, too many good players you've just thrown out with not enough justification, clarity, um, good enough reasoning and then it's just sort of doubled down with you know saying things like you know poor leaders or bad role models and things like that mm. we could rattle off a list of names but i think there's about 32 people in total that you know um either debuted under dave rennie or play significance min, uh under dave rennie look like they were a world cup sort of option who just completely thrown out so from yep. that point, I just didn't trust anything he said. And then every World Cup game that followed, it just got worse and worse. I, I just yep. don't think people keep using the term untenable. And I think it became really quickly untenable, maybe two weeks into that World Cup. It, yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Fiji loss um, was kind of the real turn. And then when that 44 to 6 defeat against Wales, the heaviest yeah. ever um, loss to Wales was just was just absolutely shocking. And I mean, you, you look at some of the uh, stats or some, some of the information about Eddie's tenure as Wallaby's coach, and we're looking at this current time as Wallaby coach for this. Two wins from nine games, giving him a 20, 20, uh, 22% win ratio, which is the worst ever win ratio for a Wallabies coach in the history of the Wallabies. 
Heaviest ever Rugby World Cup defeat, 44-6 to Wales. First ever defeat to Fiji at the Rugby World Cup. First Rugby World Cup to not go beyond the pool stages as well. And, I mean, we were talking before about the number of captains that we've been through in a 10-month period. I think it was six or seven that we got up to. Um, and it's just... it's It beggars belief the situation that we find ourselves in now compared to where we were and the hype that Rugby Australia were in many ways understandably putting forward about what Eddie Jones's time with Australian rugby could be at the start of a five-year five year term. And I've got a couple of quotes here, which we'll start with Eddie Jones. I gave it a run, hopefully be the catalyst for change. Sometimes you have to eat shit for others to eat caviar further down the track, Jones said. <laughs> uh, do you think that do you think that he's laid the ground for people to be eating caviar down the track? No, no, he's, he's ripped up a team that um, was poised to go some distance further than what they did at the World Cup. Um, you know, Rennie really built a team for that four-year cycle. And then whoever comes in next as coach isn't going to look at the team that Eddie picked and say, oh, well, they did really well. I'll, I'll just stick with them. And that's that's the team going forward. Some of those guys are really young and promising and probably will form the nucleus of the team going forward. But no, it's it's a complete it's a complete joke to say that that's yep. somehow been like oh yep you know whatever success we have in the future you can thank me because I just kick started it by you know kicking Hooper Cooper Ikatel Foley or kind of countless others to the curb yeah it's a ridiculous quote by James. Yeah, I call it absolute bullshit to say that he has been laying the ground. He's been a catalyst for positive change within the Wallabies because in my mind, this this all started a while ago. Remember that interview that he gave with UK media, um, Jim, Jim, what's his name, um, where he basically spoke about, oh, yeah, well, that's if I'm coach after the Rugby World Cup. And yeah. this was pre-World Cup that he's talking about the idea of him potentially not being coach. And that whole narrative just really started to get weird, really started to get weird, where he seemed to be second-guessing himself and second-guessing his position with RA, whereas the narrative should just easily have been, I'm picking a team for the future to get development here at the Rugby World Cup, and I'm asking both rugby fans, rugby public, and rugby Australia to be backing me to take this team on the journey. And we're going to do our absolute best here and now, but we're looking towards the future with this squad and with this team. And if that's the messaging and that's the narrative, then cool, then fine. That's 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 okay. But I just feel like all he's done is tear up the foundations of what Dave Rennie had built, throw them to the curb, put some really, really shitty stuff down over the last couple of months, which maybe would have come good if he'd stayed, but now he's gone. Yeah. So what's left? Who, who's going to take this job now? It's like a poison chalice. Who who genuinely is going to want to coach the Wallabies at this point in time? That's the problem I feel we've become in a way like the laughing stock of the rugby world at this point in time because of just dodgy leadership choices from the people that we should be able to trust. Yeah. And look, I think that's it's really fitting to mention all that, especially looking at the screen, knowing the next quote coming up because as you say, like that was such a long tenure to just trust it to Jones when he hadn't had any time in Australia or really proven himself with his group, hadn't, you know, been part of that four-year build. So you sort of looked at McLennan now as, well, 
who started the shit show? Who kicked out the incumbent coach? Who had everything sort of, you know, lined up, even if results weren't great, um, but was just kicked to the curb mm. what, a week after having a training camp um, just so that someone could come in, have this year of, you know, mess just to start again fresh the year after. It was just the whole thing just reeked of short-term planning for a long-term system. It was a really weird decision that, um, you know, a lot of people will be happy as backfired because they think it'll instill some change. But, I mean, we've got to see that change for it to actually be worth anything. Yeah, 100%. And so the quote that you're referring to there is from Hamish McLennan. Is it the coach or the system? Michael Checker gets sacked in 2019 after a quarterfinal loss and takes Argentina to the semis in 2023. The lunacy must end. The supply chain is broken. Centralization is the answer. Now, part of me is frustrated in this because I want Hamish McLennan to take ownership for his role in the rubbish situation that we are in right now. Um, to accept responsibility for elements that are his responsibility and to also not just try and turn this into ammunition and fodder for his drive for centralization with the super clubs. Like Eddie Jones's departure is not a reason why super clubs should centralize at all. And I really like the um, way, I, I really dislike the way that he's trying to connect those two or conflate those two things together. And the frustration I have is that I'm not confident that RA have both the uh, leadership and the communication skills, both between clubs and with the broader public, to be able to put the vision forward for where Australian rugby needs to go over the next five or 10 years, to be able to unite the various stakeholders within that vision, and then also to be able to communicate that to the next coach that they're going to be bringing in, the rugby public, but then the people that need to actually buy into it, inclusive of the super clubs, the players, the coach, all that stuff. I just, I'm not convinced that they have demonstrated, well, I know they haven't demonstrated that capacity previously, and I'm concerned they don't have that capacity moving forward. And it's a point that's been well brought up. I think Mitch PW on um, Twitter first said it, where they've got this board to do the review, which will be really telling and is mm. really um you know, it is needed. And my concern is they did a review on the injury systems under Rennie and because there was a change of coach that just sort of got yep. thrown out. Now, looking at this review, we've got one RA representative who will be on there at least, um, as well as Andrew Slack, you know, a fantastic yep. player and captain, etc. cetera. But uh, I, I'm not really sure of his credentials in, you know, managing businesses or systems or looking at something at the scale of Rugby Australia. Um image pw's point was well could we have someone that is used to these systems you know like come in yep. and do a review if david nusafora doesn't want to be involved in australia because of the way we treated him i'd understand but if we could you know pay him to do a review into you know well, what what what's the problem here or like what are the biggest things we need to address what do you suggest we fix yeah yeah just so many so, yeah so many questions thrown out and i think yep. it's great that we want change but we've got to have people that know what that change you know, needs to be, and then people that are willing to enact it. And from everything I've yep. seen, I don't think McLennan's the person to head any of that. Yeah, look, I wonder if he does have the strength of personality and will to try and drive that stuff through. I just wonder whether there's the kind of organisational capital and the organisational capital within rugby, like Australian rugby as a broad thing, for them to actually, actually be able to get people to buy in. 
And that's my concern. I wonder if too many bridges have been burnt um, and too much opposition to centralization is currently in play because of obviously large, larger things or more detailed elements that we don't know from where we're sitting. But I do just want to um, just kind of wrap it up now because this we're, we're trying to keep this quick. We're trying to keep this short. And um, Rev, if you were to summarize this whole thing, to somebody asking, so what the hell is going on with Australian rugby right now? I know I'm going to get asked this question on Monday when I walk into the the office. How would you answer that? What's going on in Australian rugby? We've had someone come in uh, with ego and agenda and a point to prove who wasn't immediately happy and threw all the toys out of the cot, um, you know, had a tantrum and has left the room in a bigger mess than what he walked into. Um, we've got so many young, promising players in a system that isn't you know, fantastic, but they've just been made to look even worse with uh, the first year where we haven't been in a tier one nation. Um, for people wanting to know where to go or what to do, the only way is up, literally. Um, <laughs> it, it can't it can't get uh, lower or worse than this you'd hope or think. But... <sighs> There's so many bigger questions to ask. So I think the only thing you can ask um, Australian rugby fans at the moment is just to persevere and to, to trust that the review will happen and that while this was such a mess, um, such a disaster sort of, you know, from the outset, um, that there will be catalysts for change in the future. If, if that's the one thing that Jones is right about, that this is the catalyst for change, uh, I'll be happy. And in a way, it'll be a backhanded result of his actions, in my mind. It won't be because of the positivity or the positive the elements that he has put in place, but it will be because of the rubbish position, the negative position that Rugby Australia, sorry, Australian rugby has been placed in and mm -hmm. the fact that, yeah, the only way we can go is up. Um, the final thing I want to say is, look, you're going to be listening to this on Monday morning or sometime throughout. If you had a busy weekend and you didn't have a chance to get across the Wallaroos win over France on Saturday, get involved. It has been touted as possibly one of the greatest wins by the Wallaroos team in their entire history as a team. So massive, massive ups. I'm just getting to score up again. It was 20 to 29. And that was with a last minute consolation try to France as well to bring the scores a little bit closer incredible match get involved and watch it uh congratulations to south africa as well getting up over new zealand in the final more to come in tomorrow's pod but rev thank you so much for your time it has been uh both a pleasure and a bit of pain as well to have to talk about something so rubbish but it did need to get talked about urgently so thank you my friend no, all good uh glad he's gone and glad we could chat so <laughs> double glad <laughs> double glad well all the best mate see you later see ya